Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. On today's show, tensions brew as the boys discuss the new sign-ins, the promoted teams, and all the talking points from Game Week 1. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of A Pod of Two Halves. We are on episode two, season two. I am your host as ever, Michael. I'm here joined by, or in person, by Mr. Lee Collard. How are you doing, man? Mate, I am good. Football is back in my life. You're a happy looking man. I'm ha- oh, I mean, I had to watch Everton play, which was quite, quite abysmal. Well, yeah, but we'll talk about that maybe. Well, hopefully we won't talk about <laughs> it because it was fucking boring as shit. So much so that I walked out and went to the chippy. This, this literally but apart happened. apart from that... Having football in my life, terrific. Terrific. I'm also here with Tom Woods via, is it via or via? I say via. I will say via. No, I say but, via. Then I'll say via. <laughs> we've, got, we've got Woods on Skype here. How's it going, man? What are you doing? Ah, oh, man. You know, the only thing worse than watching your team lose 4-0 on the opening day of the season is knowing that in two days' time, I'm going to have to sit down and talk to Lee Collard about it. Mate, I'll, I'll be easy. Ish. <laughs> Bearing in mind the enthusiasm you had last week, we uh, remember the enthusiasm, don't we? We remember the enthusiasm. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, football's back, and what a what a weekend of football it was! Delicious stuff. I thought you were just going to carry it. Oh, no, that was my point. I, I, I we, we're going is, to get to it, mate. Now, this is the Tom Woods we have on this show today. You see his team. Turned up to Old Trafford, full of hopes and dreams, and uh, you know, with a young, young, vivacious lineup and a young, a young bucks, a young buck of a manager. You know, his first challenge of all the youth in the world, all the positivity, and uh, we're on the receiving end of a four-nil defeat to the glorious Red Devils of Manchester. And that brings us up to our first question. Obviously, after such an emphatic win 
are Manchester United back? Now, I'm going to start this off because I know Woods have got a lot to say on this game because obviously being a Chelsea fan, I've got a fair amount to say. But I'm going to start off. This man next to me has been besmirching the, the fortunes of Manchester United for a number of years. And, uh, and loving it. Essentially saying that the dynasty, dynasty is, is over. It's collapsing. Now, after such an emphatic win... What say you, Mr. Collar? What are your thoughts on Manchester United after this win? <laughs> Mate, come on, let's not get carried away. It's one game. Um, and this applies to you as well, Woods, because Chelsea, yes, they took a dicking, but it's one game. With United, um, it's, it, I don't, just in the game in itself, it was difficult to gauge like how bad Chelsea were or how good Man United were. Um, for what it's worth, you know, Chelsea were probably the better team, weren't they, for the first 30 minutes? Absolutely. Um, it felt just, sorry, yeah, you know, it, it just felt like once once United got going, the, you know, the confidence did start to flow and then you, know, you could feel the, maybe the relief in the stadium as well. There was not so much, I don't know, they weren't, they just didn't seem that worried. Tension. Yeah, tension, that's the word, yeah. Um, defensively, Man United look a lot better and I'm sure you're going to have an input in, in this, but having Maguire... Did, it, it did appear on the eye to make a big, big difference. You know, I think the stats were that he won all his aerial duels. Yeah, no one dribbled past him. Um, you know, could that have been said of Smalling and Jones? You know, probably not. So, you know, it's a big addition. Um, and Wan-Bissaka as well looked like he's settled in. You know, you you spoke, you know, you waxed lyrical about him over pre-season saying how good he was. And yeah, he looked pretty settled in. And defensively solid. Going forward, mm, maybe a little bit raw, but, you know, Ultimately, his job is to defend and, you know, he did that very, very well. And I think for United, it's something to build on, but not to get too carried away. Um, I'm sure Woods will have his input in Chelsea. And I feel like when we saw the game, when we saw the lineup, I said straight away, and this is not being a one or anything, Woods, but I was like, that Chelsea team can be got at today. And I think that the line you used is the worst Chelsea team that we well, can remember seeing. Yeah, that, that were, they were my words. Again, I'm not, I'm not whumming you because I wasn't saying this to your face. Words. I was just having a conversation with Mike before the game. I was like, this Chelsea team does not look good on paper. No, certainly on paper, if you looked at it, compared to... And it was doing the rounds, wasn't it? Because it was doing the rounds, the two lineups compared to the 2008 Champions League final teams. And ultimately, uh, you had two sets of 11 with world-class players back in 2008. And Chelsea lined up with a... A combination of um, inexperienced players and players that have probably passed their peak um, in, in certain areas. So, um, yeah, I completely agree with you. The, the formation, the lineup, didn't fill me with confidence. I was quite excited to see the Chelsea lineup, but we'll get to them in a minute. Um, for yeah. me, really, it was a game of two halves and it was a game of two Pogba's because um, for the first 30 minutes, Chelsea got him. Um, and he was losing the possession. He was doing that classic Pogba thing, which is receiving the ball, uh, trying to create a YouTube highlight, losing possession in dangerous areas, and Chelsea were creating opportunities through that. Nothing, I would say, particularly guilt-edged, despite hitting the woodwork twice in the first half. I didn't really feel that there was a, a glaring miss. Um, I thought that, that that goes back to what you are saying about Maguire. I thought Maguire was... Um, composed, uh, he organised the defence defense well, and like you said, that if that was maybe a Jones and a Smalling back there, you don't have that level of organisation and and faith across the back four, and also which went into De Gea. Uh, but with- just to come in at that point, sorry, yeah, with uh, Jones and Smalling, my favourite thing about the entire day was the fact that they didn't even make the bench. Didn't even make. That's the a bench. statement. They that were is. literally sat, and the, the uh, Twan Zabi was selected ahead of them for the bench and they get to sit there at Old Trafford and watch an actual centre-half 
clear up balls, I, I feel more, look composed. It was, it was a joy. I do feel more of a statement would have been to uh, actually let them go in the summer, or one of them, certainly. To Everton. Keep them two, as well as Rojo. Yeah, well, to Everton. Exactly. We, we came in for Smalling. On, yeah, uh, online, yeah. You know, I, I, it's a bit baffling that he's kept all three. But Lots of games. Europa League, lots of games. Mm, but Pogba yeah. in the second half... Um, was a different player and obviously was instrumental in at least two of the goals. Um, obviously, the, well, can we can we talk about that pass? The pass was unbelievable. Um, oh, mate. What I will say is that I have no idea what Cesar Azpilicueta is doing at that moment um, in keeping Rashford on side and then proceeding to go the wrong side of him trying to win a ball which was already gone. Um, but the pass was I still something like he could got a foot in though as well. It felt like he was just delayed in his yeah. trying to block it. I don't know, obviously in fast, in, in quick time, you know, it had been probably different, but just in slow-mo, it felt like, yeah, as you said, he got on the wrong side, but then he still felt like put a foot in. Yeah. He kind of didn't. But United, for the first half hour, looked, I thought, it wasn't that they lacked confidence. I think they looked a bit nervous. Um, and certainly, once they got the lead, you could just see the confidence kind of go mm. through them. And they took charge for the 10 minutes that followed the penalty. Um, and then the penalty, which was dispatched expertly uh, by Marcus Rashford, which is also interesting, um, that they've taken the penalty duties off Pogba and uh, put that into the hands of Rashford, who's, I think, got a pretty good penalty record to be honest I don't remember him missing one I think he scored like four and taken four yeah and he was decent as well it was a decent penalty but you know going back Good. to the main question Mikey I guess we'll put it to you first are they back What what is the expectation after such an impressive win you know 4-0 against Chelsea is no joke regardless of the, 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 the 11 that Chelsea put on the field at Old Trafford what is now the expectation for this club <laughs> It's very hard to marry up expectation with money spent with Man United because we've spent a lot of money and the expectations have had to shrink every year because of the, just the dire performances and the, the, the poor talks and the noise around the club constantly. There's always bad press and it always feels like there's a dark cloud in Manchester because of just the, the mire that Manchester United are in. We're in a position now where, realistically, we just want to play good football. I want to, I want to watch Man United play and... Just to resemble something that I remember as a kid, where it was you had hardworking players, you had a bit of nice football and you had some attacking verve. That's all you're looking for, really. And I think realistically this season, I'm looking for top four. And I'm looking to play with a, with a bit of class and a little bit of identity. That's what I'm looking for. Do you, do you think that with signing Maguire and Wan-Bissaka and even James to an extent, you've signed three Englishmen or and a Welshman, but three British players that kind of they don't have that um, ego. I think one of the main things I kind of going on to that question a little bit, but the one of the reasons, one of the things I saw with Maguire was, I think it's a very understated thing that he hasn't had to adapt to the league. He knows the league. He's played against all these players before, and he's slotted in as if he'd been there for the last five years. You know what I mean? And I think there is a degree of that in terms of you're getting players that know this. And you, and you reference your previous signers and how the expectations built, but because. They were coming in with their egos and, you know, as maybe coming from abroad and having to try and settle in, as you said, with Maguire and Wambasaka, they've played in the league already. Yeah, exactly. So there, there, there is the expectation. I think this is the season now. I mean, look, the, the book, the bookmakers had Manchester United at 40 to 1 to win the league this year, which is the highest odds I think I thought it was worse than that. ever had. Was, I'm sure it was 40. What was it? What did you see it as? 40 is long still, Lee, really, um, in terms of Premier League. <laughs> it's quite yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw it at 40, but um, like, and that is a reflection realistically on, on where we are. You know, we're not going to win the league. We're not going to 
challenge for the league realistically barring something crazy happening and I think as a, as a United fan I'll take positives in the fact that Martial and Rashford both scored Martial scored a, a you know a number nine goal now you know owing to his new shirt number Definitely. and I mean with Rashford I I struggle with him as you know I thought he was having an absolutely appalling game up until he scored a penalty um, he really his touch was awful and he and he said himself after the game that it's just it, it is a bit it was a bit loose a bit rusty as it were um, I want to see him take more care of the ball because um, I was really impressed with his goal I thought it was a good run the ball from Pogba was delicious the clinical. finish was clinical, clinical as you like um, I, his all round game needs to improve for me but that was still encouraging I actually thought I I, <laughs> I talked quite uh, negatively about Jesse Lingard at the opening of the uh, when the game started um, and, and before the game I was talking quite negatively about him because I don't I don't rate him. In the second half, his work rate showed. Yeah. And I, I think he does run around a hell of a lot. I do think you, we could get someone in who can work as hard and have more quality, for sure. But he was instrumental in his movement and his what he offered in, I think, two of the four goals. That's why Solskjaer loves him, though, don't you? Well, precisely. Probably why he's ahead of Sanchez, because Sanchez has got the work rate, but at the moment he hasn't got the quality. And he hasn't got the, 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 the injury <laughs> well, yeah. you know, freshness, I suppose. Um, I will say one other thing about um, Lindelof. He's got a partner and mm. we talked about Lindelof last year looking good and I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that they can make a nice little partnership going forward. Absolutely. Um, but no, I think it's too early to say that we're back by any stretch. But I tell you what, it was a hell of an improvement. And I think, right, every team that's come out so far and interviewed after games have said, look, it's early in the season. Man City players said it, Liverpool players said it. We're going to get better. We're going to improve. And I think that's only that's, the same can be said of Manchester United. I'm hoping that this is the start and there's more to come. But that does kind of lead me on quite nicely onto the to the next question we have on our question roundtable, as it were. Chelsea, we've talked about how positive Manchester United are, and I am, as a Man United fan, I'm not going to lie to you, Woods, I was crowing after the game. I was ecstatic, because even when I was a kid, we never beat Chelsea. So it was nice <laughs> to get that 4-0 victory, especially in a game that I, I was very nervous before the kickoff. But as a Chelsea fan, I've got to ask you, you know, are you concerned right now? Um, I'm going to give you my thought very quickly on this. I want to tease this out there. I do not watch championship football. I think I describe it to Lee as non-league football fairly often. I do not watch. I didn't see much of Lampard last year other than the playoffs. Um, I've seen his press conferences afterwards and his post-match comments. The, 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 the phrase that comes into my head, he seems gotten to. He's very, very defensive. And it, I, I, I don't know. What, that may be what he's like all the time. I don't know that. And I'm asking you boys here because you are... He was, he was doing that thing. I mentioned it before the pod. He was doing that thing where... He was not using the transfer ban as an excuse, but then referenced it several times in his post-match interview, therefore making it sound like it's an excuse. But without actually completely saying, oh, this is actually, it's because of the transfer ban. It's like, it's one of those things where, well, we have a transfer ban. It doesn't help, meaning we've got to play loads of young players, but I can't use it as an excuse. And it's like, well, you just have. Basically, I just felt he feels a bit gotten to, and I would like your thoughts, basically. He had a similar issue against Leeds last year, didn't he? Where I think Leeds fans felt that they'd got to to Frank Lampard after the the Spygate situation, I think there's a level of chippiness to him. Uh, but I think that you kind of get that with with managers and and players. It's, a, it's something I guess that's in setting most professional sportsmen to to not like being questioned. Um, I think that overall his press conferences have been pretty good, and a lot of the words that he did say at full time, I thought were were fair. I mean, overall. For the first half hour of the game, I, I couldn't have been happier. Um, I thought we played some pretty good football. I thought we knocked it about a, a, a lot. Um, I thought we pressed 
uh, won the ball in really dangerous areas, caused some problems. Um, it felt like a lot of energy. I thought that Chelsea would approach the game with a lot of energy to try catching United out, and that's the, that, that did seem to be what they did. Um, and it's an energy level that obviously wasn't there last year. I think anyone that had watched um, Chelsea under Sarri is quite ponderous football uh, would be the way I'd describe it. So for, for half an hour, I was, I, was, I was loving it. And then, of course, you lost the ball in a really dangerous area. Um, United, who looked like they spent a lot of time on the training ground working on how to counter-attack and counter-attack like, lethally. Uh, I thought every time that they won the ball back close to their own goal, they looked like they could score. Um, so that's credit to Oli Solskjaer and, and, and the training staff there at Manchester United, who clearly must have worked on that and, and the fitness levels. But the, the, the issue with Chelsea, and you go back to the 11, um, first is first, you, you can't go to a, a top six rival. In fact, you probably can't go to a top 10 rival uh, and play a midfield partnership with Kovacic and Jorginho because it's going to leave you short in the circumstances where you lose possession um, in the opposition half. Um, obviously, you have an N'Golo Kante in there um, and there was elements of him showing that his... Ability to track back um, is going to be very important, especially when you've got such a naive team on the field in the advanced third. So uh, the naivety of losing the ball um, and conceding pretty simplistic goals, that was a big, big concern. But, I mean, Cesar Aspilicueta, he's finished. Um, He got burnt by Pogba for the James goal, I think. Um, he, he was completely responsible for Rashford's second and he was also looking literally the wrong way instead of marking in uh, Anthony Martial for the second. So people would look at Zuma and Zuma didn't have a great day. Um, he looked nervous. Like, he looked like the occasion got to him a bit. He, he never settled, did he? In no. The game? Like, he had a couple of passes that went astray. And just in, never recovered from there. He, that was it. But I think that Azpilicueta, and, and this goes back to what I said about him last February as a captain in, in the League Cup final, um, there's something like, where's your leadership? You know, Curtis Zuma has, a, has, a, has that error. He then gives away the penalty. He looks rattled for the rest of the game. Where's the leadership to kind of go over and get a handle on that? I didn't feel that that was getting done. Um, and as a player, he's gone the way of Ivanovic and Gary Neville, which is his athleticism is, has left him. And now he's getting smoked by... Uh, pacey players every time. Um, the sooner Reese James gets back to fitness, the better. Um, he's going to be a real fascinating player to see. He's extremely athletic and extremely gifted, but again, he's another inexperienced player that's going to come into this team. And when you go through the players that we're waiting to come back um, and players that we think will be important players for Chelsea, you're talking about Pulisic, who obviously didn't start young. Uh, you're talking about Ruben, who's obviously not as young, uh, but certainly an element of inexperience there. Callum Hudson-Odoi, inexperienced and young. The whole team is basically relying on these young players to come in and, and, and do things above really what they would be expected at at another club. Um, and, then, and, then, and one, sorry, one thing on that as well. Like the thing with young players is if you can. So if, I saw a stat today, or I think it was yesterday, where they'd compared however many games Rashford's played in his career so far with Ronaldo and Messi at the same stages of their career in terms of they've played the, the same amount of games. Rashford smokes them all on number of goals scored. And yet I sit here every week and I have done for the last year and I criticise the guy for not being good enough. And it's like, the, the, it's difficult. I am impatient. As a football fan, we are impatient these days. We want to see things now. And I think 
you can do that. I and mean, the whole thing with you know, it's very easy to blood a young player into a successful team. And I think what you what you guys are now going to experience is you're trying to blood a lot of young players together. Yeah. And be successful, and I that they're, 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 your fans have to be patient. They do have there has to be so much patience at Chelsea next season. No. What, what I took away from the game, from from looking as the, well, the game panned out, um, is I, ironically after the 30, first thirty minutes where you were kind of dominating in the middle, I felt like you just looked lightweight across the whole pitch in terms of actual strength. Yeah, um, like T- Tammy Abraham's up front, he's. I don't understand why in that sort of game you didn't start as Giroud because you need to, you need to, a you need some experience as we talked about you know yeah. the team was full of youth but you had Mason Mount in there as well I mean Barkley we can't refer to as young but he's never been known for being physically imposing as well as obviously Pedro as well it just felt like you were lightweight from the top and then with the sort of difficulties that you had in the back it kind of just set the game up for how it ended up panning out. Yeah, that, that, I mean, it's fair. If you actually look through the entire eleven, they're all lightweight, and I, I include the goalkeeper in that. Um, it's a, bearing in mind what, what Chelsea was built on in the mid two thousands, which was just physicality. That club would go out there and they beat teams up and then beat them one nil. Um, this team is full of very technically gifted players, but very lightweight players, and that is a bit concerning because you will go to teams that will pry on that. Um, and they will get into the players. Uh, what, why Giroud didn't start? Um, I think the reason why Giroud didn't start is because Lampard wanted a player that could get about a bit. Um, I think Giroud's going to struggle in what Lampard is looking for uh, from his centre forward, but I'd certainly take your point. An experienced head with that many young players is needed, and it's like, who is that experienced head? Is it Jorginho or Kovacic? Again, Kovacic is a player who uh, is still relatively young um, especially when you look at the number of games he's played up to this point in his career because he spent a lot of time not playing for Real Madrid uh, so then all of a sudden your most experienced player is other than Cesar Azpilicueta is Jorginho so now you're kind of looking at that player and going you need to take control of this situation you need to be the leader of men and I looked at him on Sunday and he he, he never took a grasp of the situation in there which was um disappointing now that would change when you get a world cup winner coming back in in Kante but again if I said to you is Kante a leader what would your reaction be no no on the pitch in terms of the way he demonstrates and the way he plays but not in terms of he's a leader by example yeah exactly what will happen um once Aspilicueta is displaced by Reese James Reese James will be our leader on the pitch at like 19 20 years old that will be the most likely situation because he is a player that has got those leadership characteristics. But we've gone from a team which basically had uh, international captains across the eleven to not having a single leader on the pitch. And I think that was very apparent. That's how you go from a, a situation where statistically in the game, very even football match, to going losing 4-0. Because if you can see that second one, Chelsea of old go, that's it, enough of this. And that didn't happen. It was just kind of like gave the ball away and immediately conceded the third. It was it was embarrassing, really. Now, do I think that uh, I'm going to knee-jerk and go, well, Lampard's not the right guy, this, that and the other? No, absolutely not. Uh, this season's going to be painful. This won't be the only time that we'll get pasted by a team this season. In fact, we might get pasted tomorrow night by Liverpool. Fans are going to have to stay the course of this because the long-term benefit of seeing this goal out far outweighs kind of like making any changes because we haven't got anything to change what are you going to do bring in like kind of the more experienced players that those players aren't good enough you know Eden Hazard's fair, gone this, this 
Well, yeah, Hazard's gone, and also, you know, we we had a chuckle, didn't we, last week with David Luiz going to Arsenal, saying, you know, he's 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 so such an Arsenal player in terms of his comicalness. But if there was ever a game you kind of maybe needed him and Christensen, or even Zuma and and Luiz, it was it was yesterday. I can understand why he's let him go because he is, as you said, you know, you, this is not a short term project. This is long term. You've got to look into the future, and he's obviously shifted him out, knowing that it's going to be Zuma and and the and the other young fella that's in. In your squad, yeah, so my means to send it back. Rudiger, no, Rudiger. Rudiger. So Zuma and Christensen is obviously what he started. Rudiger will come in for Zuma, I think. It'll be Christensen that will partner one of the others. You've got an under twenty ones guy, haven't you? Though oh, Tamori, who played at Derby, yeah. yeah. So he's ultimately he the fourth also choice. Even feature in the early early rounds, or yeah, the early part of the season because Rudiger isn't due back for a little while. Yeah, so I think Rudiger's probably going to get fast-tracked in a hurry, <laughs> having, <laughs> having watched our centre-backs at the weekend. But, I, you know, on Luiz, I saw a lot of it. Um, obviously, Arsenal fans couldn't wait uh, to jump on that bandwagon. What I will say is I've watched David Luiz more than one time in a game where we needed him to step up and him just fall to pieces. This is a man that, um, at Wembley last year against Tottenham, uh, fully went in the toilet big time. This is also a man that has the leader on the field lost a World Cup semi-final 7-1. So let's not think that this guy was going to change the situation here. Uh, But look, just overall, I'm just going to kind of try and wrap it up as much as I can. Um, Am I concerned uh, a little bit, but it's it's growing pains and it's going to be 12 months of growing pains. What what to be expected as well. Yeah, I think this is a reality check. Boys, game one. It's, it is it's game one. one. It's game one. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's game one. It's a um, reality also, check, so, though. It is a reality check because I think a lot of Chelsea fans looked at it and went, oh, we could get top four. Yeah, I mean, we, we're not that far away from Manchester United and, and Arsenal in terms of playing stuff. And we're not, maybe, in terms of talent. But I think a lot of Chelsea fans look at our young players and believe that we're looking at the final product of that player. Instant results. Exactly. And it's just not going to be the case. It doesn't happen like that. Some of them will light it up quickly. I can imagine that that Callum comes back and he, he does something exceptional. But some of them, like Mason, I think Mason's going to take some time to adjust to the game. Um, and Mate, There's also the fact as well is that I'm not, I don't want to try and sound like uh, negative here, but these Chelsea youth players that are, built, that are going to be the lifeblood of this team, only a few of them are going to make it. Tends to be like, which is why, like, fa- which how, is why how... it's been a struggle to, for them to get through to your previous teams. The only reason why they're getting through at the moment is because of this ban, essentially. That's fair. Like, there's only 95, 96 now. Like, the cla- there is, there's a reason why the class of 92 is so fabled. It's because that doesn't happen very often. Maybe Chelsea have just gone and found one and you're going to get five first-teamers all come through the youth system at the same time and be your best players. But... You know, but then to expect results with all five of them players being like bled into the team is I, I, slim, yeah, slim. Yeah, anyway, slim so chances. other things that happened other than Manchester United beating Chelsea four 0 with a glorious hmm. Maguire debut, um, we also had the introduction of VAR. VAR is now in the Premier League. We have we've seen VAR obviously for a, for a while now. We've had it in all kinds of tournaments here and there, and we see the little referee scurry over to his little box and have a look at the video and then maybe half come back and then I'll go back again. Need that other little look there, bruv. And we've seen some comedy decisions in terms of things taking forever. We've seen some funny, funny old handball decisions in the Champions League last year. But now we've got it. We have it in the Premier League. It's been adapted for the Premier League. They've adjusted some of the rules and things like that. For example, the referee, you'll rarely see him scurry to his little box and have a little look at his little screen, apparently. So we're told. Now, the first week of VAR, what are your thoughts? Is it good? Was it bad? What do we think? 
for the most part, I felt it was it was good. Um, we didn't have any actually in the in the first game, did we, with Liverpool Norwich that I can recall. No, nope. um, no, there wasn't any. So we had it in the City game, didn't we? City West Ham. There was a couple of uh, big moments actually. Um, this is what I'm going to reference to because I know there were VA, other VAR decisions made over the weekend. I'm sure Woods will probably go into that, but for me, I will focus on the City game because we had the the first offside decision, and it looked incredibly harsh because they had well, they had the two horizontal lines next to each other, and it's barely barely a millimeter, if that. Um, you think, okay, well, this is something we're going to have to get used to. We 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 have it on Pro Evo when we play, and we're like, that's never offside. But, you know, if it is, you know, there isn't going to, going to be no more thing like, you know, give the benefit of a doubt to the attacker or anything like that. You know, that's gone. It's literally now black and white, that line. Or so I thought, because then we had the next decision later on and suddenly these, these perfectly horizontal lines went a little bit skew with and it was like, well, hang on a minute. So you had it nailed on the first one, but now you've, you, you're using an angle and it, it confused me and it kind of reminded me of, of the previous like VAR decision we had like at the World Cup where these lines didn't quite reflect like what you were seeing on the pitch and then yeah like I said you know they had it nailed on with the first one it's like right I can crystal clear see it's a millimetre offside it's bollocks but it's literally a millimetre offside that's it you have to accept the decision and then it just changed for the for the, for the next one I was like oh right okay so is this what it's going to be like moving forward and the thing is that second one they didn't really explain what it was because I was convinced that it was because of um, I think it was the, the defender's giant fat ass was that's why it was you, the line was coming from but then I saw Kieran on Twitter talking about a shoulder or something and all sorts I mean this this is it right so VAR it, it did work um, I thought it worked uh, essentially that's what it's, that has, it has hasn't it? it has worked it did work because the, <laughs> the, the answers were the right answers and that's the crucial thing for VAR the problem is the damn way that the rules are written and how they are then apply to VAR they need to just scrap what they're doing right now that any part of your body that you can score with is basically applicable to this because it, it looks ridiculous just go with the feet just go with the feet because people can understand that you can see a foot people also lean forward when they sprint when they go to sprint off when they go to push off that's fine but your feet are planted on the ground behind but your body you don't you don't run upright no but this yeah, is your michael johnson in, 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 <laughs> but the problem is is that and, and this goes back i mean this even goes back to the uh, semi-final uh, in the league cup last uh, last year for chelsea with kane it was exactly the same thing but obviously they went with feet at that point and a lot of chelsea fans were like well he's clearly leaning forward the defender's cleaning leaning the other way his upper body thus his head is offside and i, I get that but what you end up with is, is this stupid situation because the technology basically they get the lines and then go oh they draw these vertical lines from a shoulder where they assume the shoulder ends because that's all they can do because the arm's in different locations on this one and this is the problem. So you're kind of going, oh, I'm guessing that guy's kind of got broader shoulders than that guy. So that's where the shoulder is and that's and we're going to draw that vertically down and then we're going to basically put the lines in and that's where all this basically, you look at it and go, this is fucking madness. What is this? If you just do it on the feet because you can see the feet and the feet on the ground, right? You just draw some lines from the, on the feet on the ground and you're going to be able to see it. Just change the rules. Just make it a bit easier, a bit clearer. Just take away some of this grey mist because the decisions were right based on the way that the rules are, are written. And there was another decision in that game where with the penalty where it had to be retaken. Yep. And you, you loved that decision, didn't you? Because you like, I've been crying out for this for years where yes. obviously encroachment into the box and it never gets penalised. And obviously in this particular case, Aguero's penalty was saved. It falls to rise. He had made the encroachment and he was the one that ultimately cleared it because obviously he's made that gain, hasn't he? Because he's encroached and he's gained an advantage. So the, the fact that that was brought back and retaken again, perfect All decision. we need now is, is a VAR for foul throws and Lee will be in his element. 
Yes. Speaking on the <laughs> the Declan Rice one, it's an interesting point because I was watching, well, we all watched the, the penalty that Rashford took it, but I was watching the Chelsea players in particular for encroachment and not one of them moved into that area. Mm. I noticed this as well. It, it, you know, it's already almost having an influence. It's almost like that basically they've made a clear point. Management and coaches have made a point. Do not step in there because that nothing positive can be gained from you going in there. Nothing can be positively no, literally gained. Literally nothing positive. Now, the question I have around VAR, so like, and I agree with everything the, the pair of you have said in terms of the fact that we're looking for correct decisions. However, there does need to be some tweaks of the rules and how it's written, the laws and how they're written, right? Correct. Now, I really enjoyed an interview with uh, the Wolves manager where he talked about, um, like, so, the, well, I have a question for you, basically. So when you say a goal is scored, in that 4-0 game with Man United, I didn't celebrate two of the goals because I was just like, is offside? Uh, what's going to happen here? Because then you have to wait and you're like, do I celebrate now? Do I, do I what's going on? And uh, the Wolves manager, well, I can never remember his name, Nuno Esp- Espirito Santos. What's his name? That's exactly the guy. Um, he was saying that it, it kind of, you take it away. Why, why are you getting into a situation where in a game, there's many examples of the team or the fans cheering for a goal not being scored? That's not what you should be cheering for. You should be cheering for goals being scored. And you've got a situation where I'm now reluctant to cheer goals because I'm going to have to wait fucking five minutes for it to be a goal or not. Because you don't want to look like a mug, right? You don't want to look like a mug. And you sit in there and it's like, I really get, like, when you watch uh, tennis where you've got Hawkeye or you watch cricket and you've got, you know, Snicko, whatever. <laughs> you know, you have these moments when they, when they do the reviews where the crowd get into it and it's like, and they do like a big cheer. I've been at Wimbledon when they do the Hawkeye. It's fucking great crack. I love it. I like, you know, it's, it's really fun. Are we now in a position with football where it's going to turn into that, where you're going to have more interactive moments with the crowd where we're all watching a fucking screen and, oh, it's not a goal. And then you get, because it's, it's, this, kind of, this is the kind of thing that can really, really change momentum in a game. Oh, yes. Let's say, let's say Chelsea are attacking Man United at 1-0 down, right? And you score a goal that then you think it's a goal and then you're like, you're up for it. And then VAR comes into play and it's not a goal. Chelsea are now fucked. You know, the Man United fans are going to cheer louder every time. Your players are going to be more up for it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, you, it is really affecting momentum. Momentum is one of the most important aspects. There was a sport, moment surely. in the West Ham game that that exact thing happened. When they ruled out the goal for Man City, it went from basically being game over to the West Ham fans getting back up. And West Ham were pushing again, pushing up. Now, admittedly, the, ultimately, City's class shone through. But say it was a, a more even contest. Absolutely, that moment becomes a massive momentum swing. And I get where he's coming from because football, the reason why it's it's the most popular game in the world is just because of the, the raw emotion that you get from those moments. And, and on that moment, just I just want to say, on raw emotion, uh, it was great to see Dan James Oh yeah, uh, score a goal by the way. Yeah, I mean, even as a Chelsea fan, before he signed for Man United, and he scored in his debut. It's him and Solskjaer have the two fastest goals, you know, in terms of minutes on their debut for Man United, which is quite a nice touch as well. I'm absolutely ecstatic for the kid. Well done. He seems like a good kid, and obviously, um, it's very sad that obviously he lost his father around the time where he got the the move to Manchester United. So he's, you know, even as a Chelsea fan, it was kind of a, a nice. A nice feel-good moment from what was ultimately a nightmare 90 minutes of football for me to witness. But um, in terms of Nuno Espirito Santos, I understand why he's fuming as well. Because um, his team were let down by the dumbest rule that's been added this season. Which is the rule regarding handball. Which basically, if an attacking player 
or say the ball hits an attacking player's arm, regardless of accidental, deliberate, doesn't matter, and it ends up with a goal scored, it's ruled out. Just straight ruled out. Does not matter. No context needed. And that's that's no why they got bitten on that. Like that. And it was like that's that's the dumbest rule because ultimately that has to be taken into it. Because otherwise, I'll be completely honest. I haven't seen this decision, so I, I will check. Yeah, it's it's not great. It is dumb, and it, that's also I probably in his mind as well because he's probably seen it at this point. Where he's like, "Well, this is a fucking dumb decision," but it is the rules. There was another moment actually right. with, with VAR as well. Um, I'm trying to think what game it was. I think it was the Watford game. Um, and it was Glenn Murray on the edge of the wall. I think it was Glenn Murray. Um, now, he hit his arm, clearly. And he, to me, it looked like he yeah. moved his arm towards it. I was, I was a bit surprised that he didn't get called up for it because VAR did have a look. Now, clearly, they must have felt that there wasn't enough movement towards it. But the arm was I, I, away I from his body. I didn't feel it was a penalty. You, you did or didn't? Sorry. I, di- I didn't feel it was a yeah. penalty. I, I kind of felt that he, his arm was away from his body, which ultimately made himself bigger as a result and ultimately blocked a free kick which was heading goalwards. I don't know if it was on target or not because the ball didn't He's get the opportunity. He's part of the wall and the ball's been hit at quite a pace from quite close range. Well, I can tell you now, he's in a wall so he's 10 yards away. So you, he has got time to to react. So to me, I thought that was a bit of a funny one but look, I, that's that's neither here nor there. Ultimately, long and short of it, VAR works, the rules are shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned obviously Manchester City in, uh, in this. Um, they obviously smashed West Ham 5 0. Um, not a great time to be a West Ham fan. Although I do think the season, as we talked about last week, you know, the season will be, will be probably a bit better for them and it won't be 5 0 drubbings every single week. We saw Liverpool in action on the Friday night game against Norwich, winning 4 1, I believe it was. We saw obviously uh, Spurs coming into play, winning 2 1 after being 1 down for long periods of the game. We've got the top three contenders, right? There they are, in black and white. Who impressed you the most? It's hard not to look past this, <laughs> really. Ultimately, they, uh, they didn't play in their top gear. They played probably, what, third gear, maybe pushing on fourth every now and again. Um, and ultimately, they strolled to a 5-0 away win against, you know, a pretty decent West Ham team. You know, they're going to be up there-ish, you'd like to think, by the end of the season, especially with their, their attacking players. Um, so to come away with a 5-0 win and not play particularly well. Um, also, you know, well, it, with, with Man City, it's a bit different because I'd say, you know, whilst they didn't have, you know, like, you know, people like Aguero, you know, their bench is ridiculous. <laughs> the bench is bloody on a, on another level. Um, so, yeah. Leonardo Silva didn't start. For I know, yeah. you know, which pissed off a lot of fantasy football players. But, um, yeah, for, you know, I mean, so with City, obviously, they, they, they stroll to, to a win. Liverpool, whilst they won 4-1 and it looked on paper quite an emphatic win, you know, I'm sure everyone that watched it, um, they, they took their chance as well. Norwich were quite defensively kind of exposed. You know, they kind of looked like a championship team that had come up. Going forward, Norwich, I thought, were quite good. Um, and in the second half, they did, they did sort of become defensively more compact and then they look, look, look a lot, I'll get my words out, look a lot tighter than what they did in the first half. Because I felt their confidence maybe went a little bit and... Liverpool punished them for little mistakes. Um, but I think Alisson's a big, big loss because obviously we saw him go down with a, with a calf injury of some sort. Yep. Um, they've had to bring Adrian in, you know, is that... Is, I don't know, you know, obviously is he going to well, is he going to be able to play to the style that, you know, Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp wants, which is play out from the back. Uh, Alisson obviously does that very well. 
Um, even though there are a couple of, you know, maybe potentially dodgy mistakes. Uh, I'm not too. I'm, I mean, I can't recall Adrian doing that at West Ham. So no, um, he's, he's, think, he's okay like, with the ball at his feet. He is okay, but look, don't get. He's not, he's not no, Alisson, though. David, David no De Gea is okay with the ball at his feet, and you absolutely <laughs> killed him last year. So, you know, let's be clear about it. But, but the, the the more important thing is is that Adrian's just not as good a goalkeeper, um, and Liverpool's defence looked shaky as fuck, um, and it has done all pre-season. Yeah, and I, I want a special mention on, in regards to that defence for Liverpool. I thought Trent, Trent Alexander Arnold, not a good performance, mate. Good, good going forward defensively. Dude, he was called defensively naive last year at points. Well, they highlighted it, didn't they, in the game? The Norris, basically, when they come out of the blocks, they come out well, and they were getting down down the wings, down the sides. Yeah. Of the, and it was well, because this is the thing, Robertson, Robertson and Trent Alexander bombing forward all the time. The thing they have is that they, because they bomb forward all the time, I think it can be quite hard to keep a very good defensive line. And there were many, many occasions in the game. And actually, the goal came from it. From Was it Pookie? Yeah. What a guy. What a guy. Great run. Great run. But like you saw Robinson playing everyone offside and Van Dyke thought it was um, Gomez who was doing an extra. And it wasn't. It was Robertson that was that was quite a position. It'll be interesting to see if they stamp those kind of things out, because if you start going, if you start playing Liverpool and start thinking if we can make runs around the side of Van Dyke or or down the side of these wingers and we've got a chance here, it changes the narrative and teams will go there thinking, Right, we just in Norwich go to Anfield and play some really nice football going forward at times. And actually, they opened Liverpool up quite a few times during the they game. They did. They did. If Norwich can do they it, they just like the quality. At it the was end, the quality at the end, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that is a big positive to a lot of teams watching that. I don't remember Liverpool being that poor defensively last year, but they looked um, they looked a mess. Um, obviously, they scored goals. Uh, they looked a threat, uh, although they didn't score in the second half. Got all four goals in the first half. Um, Tottenham, we'll quickly quick touch on Tottenham. Well. Sorry, I just want to interrupt as well, which is very quickly. Um, recap from last season, we, we criticised Liverpool at the beginning of the season for not playing well for a, a number of games. And it kind of felt like the same thing in this game, whereas they were just, they took their chances. Yeah. Let's, let's not forget their first goal came from a mistake as well. Yeah, it was, it was an own goal. goal. It was yeah. an own goal. Yeah. And you know, after that, you could kind of see any newly promoted side with players that have not played in the Premier League very often are going to sit there and you're going to panic and you're going to probably have a bit of a mare of the next 20 minutes. And that's pretty much what happened. Just on that as well, on that own goal, I was quite disappointed with Grant Hanley. I felt like, you know, he's meant to be... He, well, he's played in the Premier League, and it, it, whilst I'm a question if he's, like, Premier League quality, he, he, he kind of let that goal go to his head. And if you know you're all the players looking around, and you're thinking you're my centre-back, he was like, he had his head on the ground for a long time. And it's like, just get up, mate. Get up. You've made a mistake. Get on with it. But I don't know. That's what I kind of was getting at in terms of it kind of... That first half, they just seemed like, you know... Rabbits caught in the headlight, you know, as soon as that first goal went in from a mistake, they were just punished quickly in succession. Yeah. I I, I don't think Liverpool were that that good. I don't think they were either. I thought Norwich, on another day, probably get a couple at least. Uh, I think Pookie in the first half probably could have had one uh, relatively early as well. And yeah, it'll be interesting. They've got, um, so with regards to Alisson... Um, they are missing him for obviously the Euro uh, Super Cup tomorrow. Um, they've got Arsenal coming up, and they've also got Chelsea again in a month's time. So there's a chance that they miss Alisson for two of their top six. We'll call them rivals. Uh, in a season when you have to keep in mind that City have scored a hundred points and ninety-eight points in the last two seasons, you cannot afford to drop points in games, and his absence could be. You know, vital. Now, what I will say is, I personally think City are going to finish double 
points clear at the top this season. I don't think Liverpool are going to be close. I think they're going to fall back a bit. Um, I think that their numbers last year were inflated due to um, certain things falling their way. I feel that City earned their 98 points. I feel that Liverpool got fortunate at moments, should we say. Just, for example, think of the Everton uh, with Pickford era. That's that's two points less there. You don't have to look at weight. And, and Tottenham at home as well, um, the own goal from Alderweireld, that's two more points. So we're already talking about four points, which were fortunate. Um, getting on to Tottenham, though, because um, they pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and didn't seem to be getting anywhere. Um I thought Villa were pretty good on the day. I don't know what you think about that. I was really I was really impressed with Villa to be honest with you. I thought um again, you know, anything outside of the Premier League is non-league football to me, so I haven't really seen too much of Villa over over the years. Um but Jack Grealish were I feel for him because he looks ridiculous with that haircut. But he um he played really well he did. and then he made the mistake. Yeah. I mean Ka- he made the mistake. When you've got a player like Kane, you have a chance in any game that you play. He is lethal, mate. Absolutely lethal. And it's it's, it's a warning sign for other teams because he looks like it Kane wasn't really involved in the game really at all no. until he scored a goal. He had a, it was a it was very much a Kane performance on the periphery not really doing much. And then, hello, here's I feel, a goal. I feel like he looks a bit more lively than what we saw towards the back end of last year. Yeah. He looks healthy. Obviously, I, yeah, he does look He does look fit. He does look better for the rest. Yeah. Better for getting maybe married as well, you know, in his personal life. Maybe that's a you know, feel-good factor for him as well. Yeah. They, they, you think the introduction of Christian Eriksen helped them? Oh, massively. Boy, they cannot lose that man this window. They have got another, was it two and a half weeks to hold on to him? They cannot afford to lose him because the game swung back their way significantly uh, once he came on. He changed the game um, with his his energy and his quality. Now, I know that Lo Celso will obviously offer that when he finally um, gets uh, integrated into this side. But uh, as we've already touched on, it takes time for these players to adapt to the league. I thought in Dombele, um, he had a poor first half. Um, he was a bit better in the second half. Obviously, got a goal which kind of hides all of the the terribleness that he put on display on the day. Uh, but he's not a bad player by any stretch. Um, he, he'll be fine. Sorry, sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna come in here. I'm gonna have to come in here. Uh, I want to know your opinion on this, Michael. Because when I was watching the game, I felt like I was constantly saying to Michael, oh, "That's nice there." I thought he looked bright. I felt like maybe the, some of the players around him were letting him down. But in terms of his own energy and production, I thought it was I thought he was quite good. He misplaced a few passes, um, but yeah, no, I thought. He, he, he was involved a lot, and I think that's not a bad. That, that's not he didn't su- shy away. That's, that's not something that happens by accident. He Players seemed to get into lot, attacking areas and then proceeded yeah. to do nothing. Uh, I thought he was bright myself. Um, I think as I said because they were so compact, as Tottenham so compact, especially in the first half, that you know they were they were playing in such intricate spaces. I felt like once. Yeah, once Ericsson came on, he was allowed to flourish a bit more. And I, I felt like, I just, I just, I don't know, I felt like he maybe been a bit tad harsh on him. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was a great debut at all. Um, but like I said, I'm not writing him off. I, 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 he was in one of my three players that I was really looking forward to see. And I, I am really looking forward to seeing him more towards his best as the season does uh, go on. Um, their attacking trio looked a mess. 
Um, I I don't I didn't like the way they lined up in the first half. It looked like Kane was having to drop deeper because the other two were running into his space. Uh, certainly, they adapted that in the second half to move the other two. Um, was it Lemayer and uh, Lucas Moura wider? Lamella was poor. Yeah, I thought he was poor throughout the whole game. They haven't got Dude, any the wingers. Thing that I'm worried about. Well, this is what I'm worried about for Spurs because a, as you said, they have no wingers. But they've also got really poor options at fullback. They really well. do. And as you know, and you know, we talk, we've talked about it a lot. Fullbacks for Liverpool are incredibly important. They get you assists and the odd goal. Man City, there's a reason why Pepper spent what 200 million on fullbacks over the last couple of years. They're important. We've just spent 50 million on a fullback because they're important. You know, Arsenal, Tierney. You know, they made him a priority to get him over the line because fullbacks are fucking important. Tottenham's fullbacks look shit. Danny Rose is not a good fullback. And was it Walker Peters on the other side? Yeah. He's young. Young. He looked a bit, bit nervy as well, off, didn't he? Looked a bit nervy. And the, the backup there is what, Serge Aurier? We mentioned this on the show last week. Um, I'm concerned about their fullback options. It's too important. I'm worried about their depth across the team because um, I thought Harry Winks was quite poor as well. I thought out of the people that were poor in that Tottenham team, especially in the first half, I thought it was Harry Winks and Lamella. Yeah. Especially going forward. I think w- Can, sorry, Winks just, obviously sitting at the base. Just, sorry. Yeah, we're, 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 we're all, we've all stopped now. We're all yeah, we're looking at each other going, like, you oh, go. Excuse, no, you me. Go. excuse me. I just wanted to say, compare that to Man City at the weekend <laughs> when Kyle Walker was an absolute Terminator all game. He he was incredible. He was incredible. He was fucking immense against West Ham. He really was. Compare that to the non-performances that the, the Spurs fullbacks put in. Worrying, man. Cancelo better get used to sitting on the bench, mate. Because because yeah. what Pep's done is basically a, he's bought a sixty million pound fuse to to relight Carl Walker. Apparently, uh, he was incredible, weren't he? I mean, he was a madman. He's the, he is one of those players that he's just a supreme athlete. Um, he is. He put the afterburners on for when you when you went round. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, the the West Cress, Cresswell. Cresswell had seven Cresswell. yards on him. <laughs> He was gone. He was gone. I think, I think he was clogged doing like 22 miles per hour or something yeah. like that. 34 kilometres. Filthy. Ridiculous. Absolutely, Absolutely filthy. insanity. But So we have obviously seen in two of the three games we've talked about, we've seen two of the promoted sides. Now, obviously, Sheffield United played... Bournemouth. Bournemouth. There we go. I didn't know who they played, so well done for Lee. For coming in at a short notice, though, I gave him the old point. He came in, gave me the answer I needed for you fine people at home. But no, we've seen three of the three new teams promoted... Out of the three, this is my next question and our question time today. Out of the three, which team looks the best equipped to survive? Based on oh, 90 minutes that we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's all we've got to go on, Mikey. Like you say, we haven't watched any non-league football. Um, Norwich, to me, I'm going to really enjoy watching them. I am really going to enjoy they, they, they They play really nice football, but they are going to get fucked hard by teams because they are so open at the back. Um, I don't know if that over the season uh, that uh, the manager will try to correct that. I don't believe he will. I believe he has a philosophy. Just on that, I'm going to ask you a question now, Lee. I, I feel and like then, I almost know what this question and is. And Woods, you're going to answer this question as well. This is a this is a surprise question okay. born out of the moment. Yeah. On after the Liverpool Norwich game, there's a big debate around when promoted teams get into the Premiership. Um, you know, should they try and play football or should they, you know, change? Change to match the opposition. You know, so, for example, against Liverpool, Jamie Carragher was calling for Norwich basically to get in a shape and basically play it long and basically be a bit more direct and just basically go back to bread and butter football. 
Gary Neville was very much the opposite and said, you know, teams should have a way of playing and they should continue it. And it's like, and that was the big debate on the show. And, you know, I mean, I think someone was saying, um, describe Burnley as like the worst footballing team he's ever seen. Why would you want to be Burnley? You know what I mean? And I, I completely agree with that for what it's worth. I'm curious as to know, like Sarah, say Lee, you've seen Everton being in the mire many, for many years. Not now, obviously. Ouch! Ouch! You know, um, <laughs> let's say, let's say, we're, let's say we're in 97, 98, right? Probably a bad, bad time years, for you. Bad, bad years, years, yeah. yeah. And let's say you've turned up to a, a flush Arsenal, a flush, an in, nearly an invincibles Arsenal, yeah. Uh, looking pretty tasty, not quite invincibles, but we're getting there. Um, and Everton start playing some nice football, and after half time, you're four down. What do you want Everton to do? Do you want them to carry on with these principles? You've got a new manager in for some reason and like you're playing some expansive football. You're trying to play it the right way. Or do you want to just go, fuck it, route one, direct football? No, because I think there's a leading example that play in the Premier League and that's Bournemouth. Um, they're, they're defensively open. They've had some of the worst defensive records since they've come up to the Premier League. Um, they, they concede a lot of goals, but they continue to try and play the way they like to play football and that's attacking and being brave on the ball rather than playing it like a Burnley. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm on Gary Neville's side. I think I think you do stick with your with your philosophy and how you want to play. Um, I get maybe where Jamie Carragher was coming from in that moment because they were looking like you know it, when it does start to look like you're going to get absolutely annihilated, then it does. I don't know. You, you become concerned. Maybe your instinct is to like just become more compact, or maybe that's how he was brought up in through his playing career. But um, I feel like times have moved on and. You've got these managers now that are coming in. You're getting less Sean Dykes come come into into the Premier League, and you are getting like you know your, your Wilders and you know your Graham Potter's, um, and you know uh, what's his face, um, Bournemouth Fark. manager. Oh no, Eddie as well, Eddie yeah, Howe. as well, and Eddie Howe. You know they want to play this brand of football that is attacking and easy on the eye. So for me, naturally, I would rather watch that, and therefore I'm going to promote that over watching someone like Burnley, who we all fucking hate. <laughs> What about you, Woods? Are you on the bat? Are you on this train of thought, it, or are, or are you much like? Because Mourinho made some good points on, uh, before um, the Chelsea United game when he said, "You know what? It's not about changing your entire philosophy, but it's tweaking little things, having yeah. principles, there, and knowing that if you're get if you're getting fucked, right, you can still want to play football when you've got the ball the way you want to play, but don't be naive. You know, be keep the, the the fundamentals of being aggressive, being you know con- concentrate those kind of things." Now, do you do small tweaks or what do you do? Yeah, I mean, it was a baptism of fire for Norwich anyway. Well, Anfield on the first day of the season, enjoy that. Um, had they turned up and manager Fark sits down and he's like, right, I know we've spent the last 12 months playing this um, more passing, aggressive, attacking style football. But today we're going to... Dortmund football. <laughs> but today we're going to basically go full Sean Dyche and we're going to basically go low block and basically defend for our lives. I can tell you now, the scoreline would have still been probably 4-0 because they wouldn't have scored. Because it was the case, it wouldn't have worked anyway because the Norwich players have never played that system. So they'd be terrible at basically defending for their lives. And Liverpool still pick them off and they wouldn't have basically had this um, joy that they at least were able to provide to the travelling away fans. I, I reckon if you ask the Norwich fans that travelled all that way, uh, would you rather watch your team try digging in for 90 minutes to scrape a nil-nil or watch your team go to Anfield, play some of the better football on the night and come away losing 4-1 admittedly, but having had 
you know, a really good go at Liverpool. I, 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 they come away with credibility, didn't they? They come away with absolute credibility. Absolutely. Fact, as soon as, in that second half, mate, when they were just split in the centre halves and just playing, I, I, I was glorious. Put it this way, I, I wrote them off in, in last week's pod. I was like, yeah, they're definitely doomed. And whilst that could still be the case, I don't feel I don't feel like they're going to be doomed. I feel like that they could still obviously go down, but they'll all... go down playing football that I wouldn't at least want to watch. You mocked me last week's show, mate. You <laughs> mocked me. Who did you have going down, um, Mikey? Uh, I can literally cannot remember. Oh, maybe I can remember. Hang on. Let's see who I had. For, for what it's worth, Lee, I do think they go. Because <laughs> I think the thing... Still think I, yeah. I just don't think... Yeah, I, I do agree. I still think they're, they're definitely relegation candidates. And like we've all said like several times in this bloody pod, it's one fucking football It is one, it is one, one, one game. game. And, and, and also, what we also have to take into account as well is that these teams that are being promoted, they're going to play probably that little bit of extra energy and enthusiasm because, you know, they're playing in the Premier League. Sheffield United, I thought, looked a match. Sheffield United, I thought, looked a match with Bournemouth. And that's impressive. Away, Bournemouth. I thought that they um, played their football. I think that they created some of the the better opportunities and they earned their point. Um, Ryan Frazier had an absolute stinker, though, I will say. Yeah, yeah, he had a difficult... I'm going to reserve my judgment on Sheffield United. I feel like I want to watch them play properly uh, over a live game, not over some matches. It is difficult to make those judgments, I know, because we we got to watch Villa in full, obviously, and I think there's a lot of positives for Villa. Um, I thought, um, you know, (laughs) people laughed at the Tyron Mings deal. Um, I actually thought he played really, really bloody well, and he's going to be really important for them. Um, and I think Tom Heaton as well is going to be a good safe pair of hands in goal. We've got a head shake over here. Got a head shake over here, Woods. What, what, what Tyrone Mings were you watching? Is this because he played a glorious ball over the top and that kind of masked the, the rest of the performance? I, I did not think he was that good. I thought you like, in terms of what he needed to do to get maybe stuck and get his head on things, yeah, he did that fairly well, but I always felt like he was a, a, a liability. No, I completely disagree, mate. I don't know what game you were watching. Yeah, okay. uh, I, thought he def- I think he, of the defensive players that were playing for Villa, he was the one that basically stood out above all of them. So um, tell me who was the player that was doing all the defending while they were holding out for uh, 70 fair, minutes. Fair enough. It's your, it's, your, it's your opinion, man. You know, Xhaka is a baller. Tyron Mings is a, is a winner. So <sighs> Yeah, OK. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a difference of opinion, Woods. I personally just felt like from watching the game, and I remember commenting on it several times. I just didn't, I just didn't, didn't feel like Tyron Mings was that good. Yep, yeah, no, fine. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, we've got some tension on the on the second episode of the season two. This is earlier than I than anticipated. Um, right, let's go into the next question. Let's get away from Tyrone Mings, and let's talk about. What new signing do you think made the biggest statement for his new team? And I'm going to start. And I'm going to say Harrods Maguire, because I think he made an excellent statement for his new team by being pretty fucking good. Obviously, as we've talked about several times on the show, it is day one or week one, game one. You know, there's another 37 of these games to go, as well as many cup competitions for him to, for, for his mantle to be, you know, his crown to slip, as it were. But I think he did bloody well. What do you think? Woods, talk to me. Um... I mean, obviously, it's Harry Maguire as the player that had the best impact of the weekend. I mean, he turned uh, what was a car wreck of a defence under Solskjaer at the end of last season into something that looked composed, calm and assured. So I think it, that that was the one standout for me. Above um, Wan-Bissaka. Wan-Bissaka was good. I thought he took 90 seconds to really put his foot on the game. Um, he made a statement, but there was also moments where I think Chelsea got in behind him quite a lot. And I think that's just because he's yeah. going to be adapting to playing in a team which want him to offer something going forward. Uh, he obviously pretty much played right back 
back in defence on a back four at Palace, keeping it tight. Whereas at United, he's going to be offering a lot more going the other way. But I think Harry Maguire was super. Um, and I think that, yeah, of all the, the new signings, he was the standout performer. Now, I, I, there's a reason I asked you this question first, because I then want to talk to Lee and ask him, how did Everton's signings get on? Oh, yeah. Um, well, what I was going to say was um, barely any of the big new signings actually played. Yeah. Um, I think Joel Lutina at um, Newcastle, he played a full game and yeah, he looked, Mate, he looked I, okay. Just, I wanted but, to know, talk about... been a bit generous. St. Maxine or whatever his name is. Scatty. We saw him, we saw him play. <laughs> he, came, he came on, mate. The guy's electric. The guy's... It, He's got gold dust in his boots. He is literally Ben Arthur, isn't so, he? So, That's what, you know, he is Ben Arthur. Me and, me and Lee have a bet, right? Because I'm not like you, Woods. You're, you're talking of this guy on last week's show. Has, has, it, it, it's, it's lit something in me where I just want to see everything he does. And he came on and I was, I was giddy. I was excited to see what this guy does. And after he got the ball and he just showed a little bit of electricity. And I was like, hello, this kid, this guy, look, he, looks, he looks quite fat, though. I'm not like you. Quite stocky. He's quite stocky. He's a wide player. He's a very wide player. But like, so me and Lee had a bet. Straight away, I, I proposed this bet to him and I'm going to extend it to you as well, Woods, if you would like to bet against my thing. Or and join me and Lee can have a well, double Woods, bet. Woods, I'm going to have to take on a double bet because Woods is big in this right. player up. So, I'm, so I'm sure I don't know what the bet your, is here. With your view. So the bet is, I think over the course of this season, uh, St. Maxine, or whatever his name is, he will, ha- he will be nominated for a goal of the month competition. He may not win that particular month. Just one. But when when but but when they go when they go on match Whole of the season. day, when they go on match of the day and they say here are eight picks for, you know, the fucking December goal of the month, he will be one of those players in the highlight reel. Yeah. I think he I think he's going to get on. I've think- got a 5 pound bet. So it's now 10 pound then so I'm going to have to obviously go because I don't <laughs> I, I, for what it's worth, I thought, you know, whilst I can definitely see where you guys are coming from, he does look incredibly scatty, but at the same time, bit, he, a bit of a maverick. Yeah, know? mate, he's a proper so, maverick. I'd like to see more of him, you know, given time. Again, like he was one of the new signings, whilst maybe not the biggest, I think he was 16 mil, million. You know, he was only given, what, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Those 15, 20 minutes were quite, you know... What have we got going on here? He was gold, mate. He'd burn a player, then blast it over. It was excellent. At some Loved point, it. he's going to burn a player and he's going to basically roof it, mate. It, it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. It, it can probably happen. You know. um, <laughs> I, when I made the bet, it was more just because I wanted to go against him. But I know in hindsight, I think you know this is one I've probably lost as well. Uh, I did. So of all the other bets, I've pretty much lost. I thought Joe Linton didn't play that badly, but he didn't offer too much in the way of anything to be excited about. Yeah, physical. You know what I mean? He, forty million from forty for million. Forty million was a lot of money uh, there. But yeah, it's um, one of those things. He's kind of like a light for light replacement for Rondon. You hey, know? Yeah, Rondon. not going to score too many goals. Yeah, but Rondon. Rondon was great. If he doesn't score too many goals. Rondon either. was great. You love you love a okay. Rondon, don't you, mate? You... I fucking <laughs> love Rondon, mate. I loved him so much. I'm so, I was genuinely gutted he left the league. I'm really, really unhappy about it. I loved Solomon Rondon. It's great. I'd, mate, I'd have taken him United, mate. Lovely player. Yeah, but to answer your question, um, I'm not going to disagree. I think Maguire, um, if not Wan-Bissaka, uh, like I said, the big players, you know, then is it Nicola Pepe? Is that <laughs> yeah. saying it? You Nicola, know, Nic- Nicola 10, Pepe? Nicola Pepe. Again, we're not really sick. Obviously, I thought in Dombele. In Dombe, yeah, in Dombele. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was, he was bright. I don't think he was the best player, but, you know, across the, the new signings, as we said, Maguire. But I thought, I thought he was decent. You did say when we watched the Arsenal game that uh, Nicola Pepe, he, um, <laughs> he was having an appalling time at the start. Yeah, he, he was. Did I, did I yeah, you did, yeah. yeah. You said it to me several times because then he did something quite good near the end of the game where he did something, he came inside and it was like, oh, that's good. But then he, for the first, like, you know, Bunch of times he got the ball, he would lose it. 
At one point, he just played it out of play. Yeah, I reckon Woods has got a shout out for old uh, the, the new Man City guy, the <laughs> Rodri, mate. He he he, he he was a bit. He um he does exactly what Pep wants him to do, apart from lose the ball on the edge of his eighteen yard box twice. Um, he he <laughs> he's tried in the first the half to make a game of it, didn't he? Um, you know, while we're talking about Rodri, um, I, I think he's I think he's uh, a physically imposing player. Apparently, six foot three, looks big on on there. He likes to put his foot in, keeps it very neat and tidy. He's the exact kind of player that you can imagine Pep wants. He he looks like a, a good balance. Yeah, he looks a more physical uh, player than what he had at Busquets, and that's probably due to the physicality of the Premier League that that probably suits that a bit more. Um, but I at some point, our ref's going to start calling the fouls, the fouls for Man City, because it seems to be that any other team that has a player that behaves the way a Rodri does, that player's in the book. I, it's, it is, I, this Pellegrini said this, and it's, come, it's a bit ridiculous when you lose 5-0 to come out and say it. Uh, but he was saying, look, City are doing their, their fouling on counter-attacks. It was Rodri every fucking time, and not once they're getting booked. And he's right. Watching it, I was like, that's like three or four fouls Rodri's had and the referee's still like, no, it's all right. And it, I, I don't understand it. I just don't get it's it. It's because they have this like this sportsmanship about it, don't they? Yeah. They said it last year. Like they just kind of, they're like, I'm straight up to the player, like shake your hand, I'll pick you up, mate, and I'll just jog back into my spot. I won't, won't holler at the referee or anything like that for the decision. Also, you know? the, the fouls they give are never exaggerated fouls. It's just a tiny clip, a tiny like nudge. It's just something to stop the player that doesn't look horrendous or doesn't look like a booking and I think yeah just basically because the referees just obviously aren't keeping track of the totting up you know or, or, or fouls from certain individual players but Rodri appears to be appears to have settled him well when it comes to those yeah dark of, and I know that I obviously said that he was basically a uh, Jorginho tribute act but <laughs> I'd wish I wish I had that Jorginho tribute act in our team instead of the actual one and I know a lot of Chelsea fans will disagree with that, but we go back to the point where he we're was saying appalling, mate. I have to, say, I have to say this, mate. Right, you, we, myself and Lee gave him a lot of stick last year. We gave him a lot of stick on the show last week, and when he was subbed against United on 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 Sunday, I, I sat there and I was like, he's had a fucking stinker of a game. It he must has. have been a relief for him because I think he had like a 10, 15 minute spell where he looked all right, but for the most part of the game, yeah. But then I was curious to see what your reaction was, Woods. But then I went onto Twitter. To find out that you were twing about how poor he has been as well. You know what was so, weird? Because wow. I thought he was awful. Um, and then I had a look through it and I'm like, uh, people seem to be saying that he had a good game. I was like, I don't, maybe the, maybe what what I am learning is literally like you can watch a game of football and have two just completely different opinions about a game. I couldn't understand how someone could have went and watched like, oh yeah, now Jorginho is probably one of our better players. And I was like, I thought he was appalling. He was, he, oh, he was maybe so it was because that spe- he did generally have like a ten fifteen. Yeah, maybe that's it. Obviously, we were giving we were rinsing him a little bit, and then it's like, oh, hang on, he's just done something quite good there. That's yeah, quite nice as well. But then, uh, yeah, I mean, collectively, I don't honestly see where he fits other than being a squad player this year. Um, I, I see a lot of Chelsea fans. I see a lot of uh, Chelsea fans saying that. Um, <laughs> even after watching Roger, they're like, well, at least they don't have Jorginho because obviously if they had Jorginho, they'd be a better team. I, I just can't see that. I look at Roger and I go, that's a physically imposing player and he does what Jorginho does. To me, it's kind of like we've got basically the passing ability, but we've also got a player that can put himself about. And like I said, we, we haven't got any players at Chelsea starting eleven that have any physicality. 
I'm going to make a rare thing here. I'm actually going to stick up for Jorginho a little bit. I did feel a little bit sorry for him. I felt like he was a bit exposed during that game, especially, as we said, with the lightweightness of the attacking players. Yeah. Um, and when Kovacic decided to go forward, Mate, he's, yeah, he's not a defensive midfielder and he was just left, you know, well, when we exposed. Stuck, we, in the second half, we stuck Lingard on him as well because Lingard basically just sat on him and we had Pereira doing a job on him as well. Yeah. And... Basically, they just shut him down. It's a, it's a legitimate tactic. And it's one that it I was is. surprised that Chelsea didn't um, implement on, on Pogba. I don't know why you wouldn't tell Mason Mount that every time that man gets the ball, press him. Because he, he, he he's likely to, to maybe lose possession because, well, you know how wasteful he can be in, 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 in those areas. Um, you give him time and space, though, and he, he does exactly what he did. And that is either play a perfect pinpoint pass or he'll basically run past half the team and square it to to Daniel James. Exactly. Um, let's get on to predictions. We've got a lot of predictions let's whiz, to get let's through. Let's whiz through them. Time Master is looking at the time clock. The Time Master's getting a bit sweaty, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, so we've got the half 12 kickoff on Saturday. Arsenal host Burnley. I'm going to go first and I'm going to say an Arsenal victory here. Yeah, easy money, mate. That's that's definitely Arsenal. Yeah, but it was a good start from Burnley. Um, it was. But, yeah, but, it's, it's hard but, to look past Brighton. I mean, I was a bit disappointed with Southampton. I thought there might be dark horses this year for maybe like approaching the mid-table. But Southampton had their moments. moments. Mm. They just didn't take <clears throat> They didn't take them. And I thought that, um, is it Angus Gunn in goal? Now, mm. I, I'm, I am actually, I think that he's a good goalkeeper. I think there's a good goalkeeper there. Uh, it, it, the balls were going through him. It it, yeah. it, it, yeah, it felt like, like especially the first one from Ashley Barnes, it was like, well, you have to save that. That's literally gone underneath you. And that was a key moment because <laughs> it was 1-0 after that. Um, Villa versus Bournemouth, 3pm. Bloody hell, that's a tight game, isn't it? Villa Park, you know, should be, should be buzzing for the return of Villa. Uh, Bournemouth can see goals away. Ooh. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edge Villa. What's the feel-good factor of being back? Score draw. I'm also going for a draw. And then what did you say, uh, Villa? Yes. Okay, then we've got Brighton and Hove Albion hosting West Ham United. Yeah, credits Brighton. to Brighton. Um, great opening day for them. Away at Watford, turning Watford over three now. And it was refreshing to see Brighton actually play with a bit of, uh, you know, just some nice football about them rather than, you know, sort of kick it long to... to Glenn Murray, I thought like they tried to play. They did. Centre half's even playing a bit of football as well. You know, Duffy, Ooh. I think, was playing a bit of football as was. Um, oh God, help me! Who's the other guy? Dunk. Yes, thank you, Dunk as well. Uh, Potter's got him playing a different brand of football, which I think is what the the ownership wanted. Uh, he, he, Potter came in as a complete unknown, really, after spending several years. I think in, I want to say Swedish football, Austin, uh, and a year at Swansea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's a bit of an unknown for us casual football fans. Uh, but yeah, you know, credit. They played some good football. He apparently he's got some quite interesting uh, man management techniques, as was mentioned on, on Match of the Day. Um, interesting character. Um, he's got the same barber as uh, Matt Letizia used to have as well. <laughs> so yeah. Wow, um, okay. He doesn't. He's got, oh, right. got just a shit haircut. Yeah, it's, oh. it's not great. It's not a great Barnet. I, I genuinely believe that, you know, South Coast... It could be. It, it could be. It's feasible. <laughs> like it. I'm gullible, mate. Like it. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to go for West Ham. I think they're going to have a reaction after getting smashed 5-0, personally. Uh, but you're both going Brighton? I'm going Brighton. 
Okay, then we've got Everton, the mighty blues. Yeah, the sticky toffees. They're hosting Watford. I'm going to go for an Everton win because I think Watford are going to get relegated this season. Although I didn't put that in my thing. After one game, my knee-jerk reaction. I think Watford are going to struggle, basically. Um, I think Everton's going to struggle to score. Um, it'd be interesting to see if uh, Moise Keane actually starts this game. Um, it didn't really work with Calvert-Lewin. No. Uh, it will never Palace, work. So I don't want to go too much into it. It was a quite a boring game. We didn't really look like scoring. I don't feel like this is going to be a high-scoring game. I hope Everton edge it, so I'll go for Everton. What's... Yeah, yeah Everton, because Watford are going to be awful. Like it. We've got a good game next. Norwich versus Newcastle United. Give me Norwich. Give me Norwich. Just written them off only about half an hour ago. I'm like, yeah, give me Norwich. <laughs> give me Norwich. It is Newcastle though, you know. Yeah. Steve Bruce Newcastle. I mean, to be fair, they weren't that bad. Hey, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not sully the good name of Steve Bruce. This might be it, mate. This might be it. August goal of the month incoming. (laughs) Um, Southampton host Liverpool. Um, I can't look past Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Southampton, um, they, they were a little unfortunate at Burnley. They did have moments, as I said, but if you've got a goalkeeper that can't stop basically the three shots he faced for Burnley, what chances he got when basically he's playing Liverpool who are going to have 20? Yeah, but what I was going to say was, um, and this applies with Chelsea as well, you've obviously got the, uh, the whatever cup. The Super Cup, yeah. This week, the Super Cup, yeah. Um, it's an added game. It'd be interesting. To see. It's just what we needed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, half five kickoff on Saturday is Manchester City versus Tottenham Hotspur. Big game Big early game. on. City, mate. City. That's a horrible game. And I will also go City as well. That's a horrible game for Tottenham this early. Uh, The one thing that you took away from the two games, and I know we've already spoken about these two teams, but City already look like they're kind of already into their rhythm. Spurs looked some way off rhythm football for Tottenham. Um, I was just going to say Manchester City have Kevin De Bruyne. And if anyone if anyone doubted that he is not the best player in the league and has not been the best player in the league for the number of years now, watch his watch the assist he did when he just burned, burned through the grass, burned away from the player, plays the ball in. The guy is magic. Kevin De Bruyne playing at full capacity for Manchester City this season is terrifying. Well, now Hazard's left the league. Exactly. Maybe Woods will agree he's the best player. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He was the best player when Hazard was at. It was in the league. Yeah, he just wasn't. He was injured. He was. Um, I mean, anyway. Um, so Sheffield United host Crystal Palace on Sunday, two o'clock kickoff. Sheffield United. Sheffield United. All day long, my son. Love a bit of Sheffield United. Palace had moments, mate. I, I, from match of the day, I will say it looked like Everton had a couple of good chances early, wasted them, um, and then Palace had a couple of really, really good chances and just didn't take them. Yeah, maybe. maybe. When, when but B we watched unit, over 90 minutes. Oh, it was awful. Well, when B unit is your main striker? No goals, mate. Jordan, Jordan IU as well. Ma- Max Meyer. <laughs> Max Meyer. Ooh. Who Ian Wright, for some reason, was trying to talk up. And it was like, nah. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, what's that? Never going to happen, very, mate. Very it's good. not happening. They're in, tr- really they're in trouble as well. Week or something, isn't it? If you- oh, I've got him going down, mate. I've got him going down. Keith? Well, apparently Zaha's been rehabilitated into the team again. He's had... Um, a big team meeting no, headed completely up false. by Sacco. Did you not see the, uh, the Andros Townsend was the page, right? Andros Townsend oh, had it, re- tweeted it and Andros Townsend said, well, basically, this didn't actually happen at all. Uh, so, 
Fake news. Don't mate. believe the sun. Fake news. Josh, lesson um, learned. Leicester are travelling to the bridge oh. for half four on Sunday. Oh my word! Um, Give me this Leicester. This is not a nice game for Chelsea. Give me Leicester. I'm going Leicester. I'll go draw. Score draw. You know I don't do scores or no scores. It's just draw. Yeah, but seeing as these are my predictions, um, <laughs> I. I ain't picking against Chelsea, mate. Uh, first home game, Lampard atmosphere should be pretty good. Um, Chelsea. God, I hope. Monday, God, I hope Kante's back. Uh, he's picked up another knock, hasn't he? Apparently, he's out of the game. Yeah, apparently picked up a knock. Yeah, he's out of the game against Liverpool, but then he's, he's yeah, we'll see. Good thing is Sunday, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we've got Monday, the nineteenth of August, eight o'clock. Monday Night Football, back in the room, going to Molyneux, Man United versus Wolves. Do Wolves play Thursday? I think they do, don't they? Just having a look through now. Do they play Thursday? Is there Europa League? Yeah, they're playing Thursday, but they're playing Thursday crucially at home. Um, Wolves. Much like you backed yourself and your team, Woods, and you backed yourself and your team, Lee, I'm backing myself and my team. I'm going United. I'm going to go with a draw. Excellent. Love it. Right. On to winners and losers. Who's opening up with the winners? Go ahead. Well, I'll open up then. I've got, I've got Sterling. Um, not just because he scored a hat-trick. Um, it's the fact that he was also denied a penalty. Um, I felt like he handled it very well. He did. I feel like maybe, maybe not the last year or two, but certainly maybe if you go back to his Liverpool days, I don't think he handles it like how he's done. Um, I think it's been discussed many a time now that he's, you know, he's, he's blossoming and maturing as a player. Uh, it's quite beautiful to watch, I think. Um, yeah, so uh, the hat-trick, the way he handled the penalty situation, um, also had the, the goal disallowed from which he set up. Uh, again, just got on with it, didn't it affect his game. Uh, yeah. So, yeah you're, on, you're on a tissue, son. Getting a bit emotional over there. <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And another thing about Sterling. Yeah, because we spoke about his, the, the media as well, isn't it? The, the media have been all over him over the years. Sterling. Oh, yeah. I bit him, mate. He's bit him, I love it. I love it. Um, Sterling's about to apparently uh, be the first player to wear the Jumpman on his boots. Mm. 100 million or something, is that? That's dope, man. Like, that is proper wow. dope. He's going to be wearing Jordan wow. Brand's football boots, apparently. So that is awesome. Um Another thing cool. on, on Sterling on his performance on um, Saturday, uh, the finish, the lob. Like, did you just, just think about Raheem Sterling and the player that we've we've known for a long time? This is how far he's developed now with Pep Guardiola. That he's at the point where he's literally scoring goals that Messi scores. I'm not comparing them as a players, but like Messi, obviously is famous for the fact he likes to go over the keeper as much as possible because it's like the best way to score a goal, um, either in actual football or in pro Evo. It doesn't matter. Lobbing the keeper, that, that is the best way to score a goal. And it, it, to me, that showed a level of calmness and the hat-trick goal as well. Because although Fabianski gave him the goal, he still had the calmness <laughs> to just slot it in that bottom corner. Give me that. And once upon a time, Raheem's so standing I, slashing at it, isn't he? So, what a player. Well, of course. So, I, I had Maguire down just because... Um, I'm a Man United fan and I was very happy for him. However, I completely take on board the Sterling comments. I do agree with you, to be honest with you. I posed this question to Lee after the game and I'm going to pose it to you now, Woods. If someone says to you, here's your team, would you like Mo Salah or Raheem Sterling? Who do you pick? 
Um, even if you'd asked me at the end of last season or the season before, I'd have taken Raheem Sterling because most salaries are fraud. <laughs> this is what I said, but uh, Michael said he's world class. And then we had a debate about what's world class. Most salaries world class, class I, or Raheem what, Sterling? No, I know. I, right, so I, we had a, I didn't want to go into this on the show, but that's fine. <laughs> so we, we elongated by a minute. Um, for me, world class isn't the highest level. It's a step below. Okay. Because I think there needs to be a differential between, like for me, Messi and Ronaldo and those players. That is an elite level, that is. which is, which is you, that, that's like, you know, you say top, of your, top of your game. You know, like the, literally one of the best players that may have ever played in that position. Do you know what I mean? That, that for me is that thing. And you, uh, for me, you can put people like Fat Ronaldo in there. People like that, you know, where it's, they are supreme Salah is a level below that, and I think he sits for, for me on the level of like a Griezmann and people like that. Okay, and Sterling's there with him, or Sterling's there with him, yeah. Okay, I, I mean, I it, think it, Salah is really uh, you, good. You cannot but argue against the goal involvement numbers for Mo Salah. That is just, I, I have to agree with you. I, I'm not a massive fan. I do think that he's he plays in a system which will give him a lot of opportunities to score goals and he takes a lot of shots to score those goals but at the same time he has scored some fucking unbelievable goals that not many players can and that's what differentiates him from being kind of like sub world class and world class and so I completely buy into what you're saying there Mikey I do um loser of the week I will start this one do I not get a winner Morgan oh yeah who was yours um didn't you? I thought you said I thought you were Sterling. Going with Sterling. I thought you said oh, Sterling. No, I was just back. I, was I, was Frank, back I don't want to go with the same with Lee. I mean, Lee, Lee owns Raheem right. here. Like, uh, I am going to go with um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because um, I think there's a lot of question marks out there about him. Um, especially the way the season ended, there was a bit of a not great feeling, I'll say, about Manchester United and their transfer window, despite spending, uh, what is it, 150 million? Uh, there's still kind of some un- uneasiness about the business. People doubting where they'd finish. You know, we only spoke about it last week, and we we're talking about the fact that they could finish anywhere from fourth to to ninth. I think you had them finishing eighth in your predictions or something like that. Um, he just spanked Chelsea four nil in the home opener. Um, what's there to worry about, mate? Um, I think they made. Dude, they looked drilled going forward. They did. I can't say we've looked for a long time. Yes, absolutely. You know? Uh, How many times have I come on this show and said we we look clueless? We look like they've never played together before. It looks like one of them picks up the ball and then everyone's like, "Oh, where shall I go?" You know, and they're looking around. Where is everyone? This they looked like that run for Pogba when he just burst through. Players were making smart runs around yeah. him, and that was something I haven't seen for a long time. There looks like there's been a lot of focus on playing counter-attacking football with that that team, and I think you've got the players to make it work. The, the only difficulty will come when you play against a team that doesn't want the ball. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly that. You know, that'll always be the case when when those current second teams. We just have to make sure we can pick the lock. You know? But right now, yeah, how it goes. Ollie's a winner. Ollie's a winner. Cool. Um, loser. I'll start. I said it's half of his name. I'm going to finish with the second half of his name. Morgan Schneiderlin. Here is your chance, bruv. Do something. You've got to start first game of the season. You've got fucking Andre Gomez there and and the Gambino. You know, he's he's not he's on the bench. Do something. Don't get sent off. Hey, um, what are you doing? I well, I'm, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked at all. You know, the guy can't defend. You said at Man United he can defend. You know, the guy can't tackle, and yet he's in the defensive. Almost kind of a bit like a Jorginho. He's in the defensive midfield role, but he, he's, 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 his attributes that should be you know fitting for that position are his weakest. You know, <laughs> uh, he, the guy can't tackle. 
So, yeah. yeah. Loser for me. Loser for yeah, me. Yeah, big time loser, yeah. Uh, who's yours? Um, <laughs> I'm not whumming you, Woods. I'm not winding <laughs> you up. I've got here Lampard slash Zuma. Um, we kind of nailed, we kind of hit the nail on the head with this one anyway earlier with the fact that he, he cho- he's chose to obviously put Zuma in. He's chose to keep Zuma at the club um, and da- let David Luiz go. Um, so I, I felt like, you know, Zuma, I had an opportunity, kind of a bit like Morgan Schleiderlin, you know, he had an opportunity to maybe kind of maybe put a statement down, you know, and actually I'm fighting for this place. And with that sort of performance, I felt it was weak. And the reason why I had Lampard in there as well is because I felt like, uh, yeah, I feel like he, I don't know, he gambled too much. And I don't know if he's used that, maybe knowing that it was going to be a difficult game. So he's kind of put the young players in or just, I felt like there was just too many young players. Naive for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I- I think Lose that's it. all fit. Uh, my, my losers of the week are um, ageing fullbacks that are holding their team back. Cesar <laughs> uh, <laughs> Aspilicueta um, is finished. Um, top bloke, top professional. You're finished. Um, never, 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 never kept. How, how old is he? <laughs> you know what? I, I, bet not, I bet he's only 30, but he, he, he looks I like he's got I'll, the athleticism uh, of someone much, much older in age. The fullback position is difficult these days, isn't it? When you look at what Liverpool get from theirs and City get from theirs and what United have got, a, a 21-year-old and a 24... He's 29. They, he's not even 30 yet. And he's finished, mate. It's a difficult position to play because you have to be extremely athletic and I don't believe he's ever really been that. His best position uh, that he played for the club um, was on the right-hand side of a, a back three. Um, he doesn't uh, get to play that anymore because we play four at the back. So he gets played at right back. Uh, he just can't play there. He's not good enough going forward. He's finished going backwards. He's done. The other aging fullback is Danny Rose. Now, there was a reason why Pochettino is apparently pretty unhappy in pre-season. It's because he sent Danny Rose off to go find a new club and he came back. Um, and he played like and a man... He's 28, that, I think. And he's playing like a man that wants to see himself out of that lineup. Um it's going to be interesting to see how quickly uh, he's going to pull the trigger on playing Ryan Sessegnon in that position. I, I, for me, I don't think Rose has ever been good enough. So, no, I don't um, either. But I completely feel your pain with Asper Laqueta because I had it with Leighton Baines. You know, what was once a, you know, a very reliable fullback in terms of going forward and back. Now, you know, well, obviously Leighton Baines has been done for like two or three seasons, but I, I had to go through that stage. It was like, get him out, get him out. Dude, we had, get him out. I've had to go through Gary Neville and Patrice Evra. And you know, Patrice Evra is one of my top favourite players that they've ever played for the club. And his decline was horrendous, you know? Yeah, it happens. I, it, fullbacks are important, man. And they, they, they cook. They cook easily. The, the, got a lot of the, important, the most important thing Frank Lampard said at full time, for me personally, was when he said that Reese James is going to be an important player for us. Because that was all I needed to hear, is that he watched Asperqueta and he went, Giza's finished at right back. Reese James is going to have to be starting there as soon as he's ready. Well, there we go. There Does we anyone go. else have anything for anyone else? Are we good? I think yeah, so, yeah. Good, yeah. Is that the show? We've got the Super Cup to look forward to tomorrow. We've got the Super Cup to look forward to tomorrow. <laughs> Something like that. Be sure to uh, pay attention to our Twitter account, Pod of Two Arts, because I'm sure our resident social media expert will be tweeting throughout the game his thoughts on the coming <laughs> and goings in that football match. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. You'll be fine, mate. Yeah, fine. I, I would be surprised if, if Liverpool don't play their strongest team. 
It will be interesting. No, maybe it's not too much to worry about. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, they've not got Alisson, but you know, who cares uh, if their goalkeeper's not playing? It'll be interesting because they have got an important game this weekend because every game in the league for Liverpool this season is important. Um, if you're, you're genuinely, your ambition is to win the Premier League, then to win the Premier League... You have to basically win every game. Basically, as we found out last year. Like, drawing games isn't enough. So it will be interesting. It's a mad... It's and a mad, it's the trophy that they desperately, desperately want, and they crucially did not get last season. Huh? I called it. I'm gonna call it again this year. I think, I think, I, I think you're on safe ground with this one, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, the show's over. We're gonna say our goodbyes now. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod of Two Us. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and any or any old podcast downloader application that you fancy. I have been Michael. This has been Lee. Uh, that's my favourite ever moment on the show <laughs> favourite ever moment of the show the one time just needed to say goodbye that was great and this has been yeah there we go this has been Woods <laughs> I don't know what's going on here mate what's going on I tried something it didn't work but it was worth it are you I trying to get to me to say my name yeah yeah I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty concerned do. blue <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. See you next week. Adios. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply